Welcome back. Good to have you. The Bill Michaels Show. Continuing on. You want to get a hold of this. Phone lines are open. 877-867-1670. 877-867-1670. You want to find us over on X on Twitter. At Bill underscore Michaels. At Bill underscore Michaels. At Wisco Grant. Grant Bill's producing the program. At Wisco Grant. Uh, go to Facebook.com slash The Bill Michaels Show. Facebook.com slash uh, The Bill Michaels Show on Facebook. Uh, on Instagram, same thing, Instagram.com slash The Bill Michael Show. On YouTube, great way to follow us and watch the program every day. Subscribe for free. Go to YouTube.com slash Bill Michaels Show. And uh, same thing on Twitch TV, on Kick TV. You can find us on LinkedIn TV, all, all those different uh, avenues as well. Uh, we now have a TikTok account also. You can follow us on, uh, go to email, thebillmichaels at gmail.com, thebillmichaels at gmail.com. Got some emails to get to coming up in this segment. Uh, the website, simply thebillmichaels.com. That's thebillmichaels.com. Follow us on the app. You can take us anywhere and everywhere and listen to the program if you're out and about or in your headset or whatever. Uh, live, and that is The Zone, the Z-O-N-E, Zone Madison, The Zone Madison. And then you've got uh, plenty of ways to listen to us afterwards on Spotify, Apple iTunes, Google Podcasts, and such. Um, 877-867-1670, 877-867-1670. That's a great number to get a hold of the program. I want to get into the uh, some of the emails that we've got. Uh, this one is from uh, Tom. says, uh, to me, given the way that the season has gone, it's likely a, quote, letdown game for the Green Bay Packers. If they find a way to win, Start to rebuild the Lambo Mystique. Uh, that would be a great barometer for how far this team has come this season and set up a playoff learning experience as well. That's from T-Dub listening to us uh, down in Tulsa. Uh, this one's uh, from Travis says, what happens if all the Bears hype for this game is a smokescreen? As in they already know that they're moving on from fields. Do you think that they would hold him out so he doesn't get hurt so they can trade him? Just a thought, but that the Bears have nothing to play for. So if they're moving on, do you think see them doing that? Trav, I, I've never thought of that. Never thought of that. Um, boy, that's a great question. That never did that ever cross your mind, Grant? No, I, it didn't me either. And also, you know, they don't have anything to play for in the standings or with the playoffs. But we listen to Brad Biggs he highlighted a dozen different ways how much this game means to these players and what it means for their season. So I push back on the idea a little bit that it doesn't mean anything. Right. I mean, if you're upper management for the Bears now, if you've made the decision that, hey, we're going to trade Justin Fields in the offseason, he's played really well, we want to keep that commodity healthy, yeah, maybe. Maybe. I that That never dawned on me. I have to admit, never thought of that side of it. But if you are upper management, you've got to be going into this game with a little bit of trepidation for an injury. Let's say he blows out his ACL. He's not a tradable commodity at that point because there's not a team that's going to take him. And, you know, if you are set to move on, then it kind of forces your hand to take a quarterback with that first overall pick. So not only do you have to take a quarterback, but you're not only – going to take the quarterback but then you're not really going to get much for Justin Fields um boy I just I never thought of that I I'm with you I I that never crossed my mind it, this this is a game for the Bears to play and kind of 
cap off their season and the run that they've had over the last, what, seven, eight games, something like that. Um, so in that regard, you're, you're striving in the right direction. But I can't imagine upper management saying to Eberflus, hey, you know, you've done a good job coaching. There's going to be question marks. But, hey, uh, we're going to tank this one and hold the quarterback back. Now, I can see if this game gets away, if maybe the Packers start to, you know, really blow out Chicago, that I can see that maybe they pull Justin Fields. But I it never dawned on me to not play him because, you know, you're showcasing him at this point. You know, you I just that that, that was never a thought. That that's a great question. This GM and this coach loses every other player in the locker room if they do that. Right? I would think so. They would be taking away all all 53 of those guys. I I would take that as a slap in the face. It's like, we don't care about you guys winning or losing. We don't care about giving you a chance to compete here in this rivalry game. I, I think you lose every player on the team if you do that. Yeah. John says, hey, Bill, I feel the same way, mostly about the defense. Which defense is going to show up? The one that played well against the Minnesota Vikings? Or the ones that made Mayfield look like a Hall of Fame quarterback, a DeVito, a household name, and then uh, gave up more than 30 points to the Panthers, who got shut out then the following week. I think the offense is going to be fine, but I can see the defense crapping the bet again and possibly the special teams blunder costing them the game. That is John listening to us in Howard, Wisconsin. And that, that that's – I agree. I agree. I uh, – and I, I think that's where some of this trepidation is coming from as we sit here. It's not – I don't have a problem with the offense. I think the offense is going to put up 17 or more, between 17 and 24. It's a pretty good Bears defense. Maybe they put up more. Who knows? But between 17 and 24, I kind of have that belief. But I think the X factor in all of this is the fact that Justin Fields has played better. And he has been, he's been scoring both with his both with his arm and his legs, and they contained him in the first game. He did get outside a couple of times, picked up a couple of first downs, but for the most part, they kind of contained him in that first contest. And it wasn't until late in the ball game that he finally get a chance to punch it into the end zone. I mean, they, the Packers dominated that game, that first one down at, at Soldier Field. But as Brad Biggs put it, these two teams are for the most part different and when you look at the Bears and picking up Montez Sweat and making that trade and then him coming in and solidifying the pass rush and the defensive secondary getting better because the pass rush has been so more prolific and uh, you know you look at guys like you know uh, Jalen Johnson who's been nicked up Uh, you got Terrell Smith you know got Steven Tariq Stevenson Uh, those guys are draft choices uh, for the for the Bears that came into this situation Eddie Jackson's still back there Kyler Gordon's back there They've got a pretty good secondary that's been able to been able to come up with turnovers, and yeah, I uh, that's the only thing that makes me. I don't think Jordan Love becomes a turnover machine in this game. I think he's really progressed, but you know, again, turnovers make the difference. If you turn the ball over once or twice in this contest and you can't turn over Justin Fields and suddenly he's starting to move the sticks with his legs and, you know, he's throwing the ball, even if it's not downfield, it's intermediate passes that, again, keeps the sticks moving and they're able to punch it in a couple of times, keep that defense on the field for, say, 10, 12-play drives and start to eat up time of possession and 
Packers come back out, lay an egg, turn the ball over. Yeah, this thing could uh, become uh, uh, a nightmare in a hurry. I think Packers fans, you got to hope that some of this turnover luck for the Bears runs out. Like, yeah, they're a good ball hawking defense. They make plays, but they have 17 turnovers since week 11. Right. That, that's yeah. just not sustainable. That's what the Broncos that's were crazy. doing earlier this year when Russell yep. Wilson, the Broncos were winning. It's like, well, that's not going to continue. So if the Packers just hold tight to the ball and don't allow this defense to keep turning offenses over, they should be able to hang right in and, and hopefully win this game. I mean, they're favored for a reason. Right. No, I. Uh, I, I, I agree. I, I, I look, I think the Packers are going to win. But like I said, as the day goes on and as the week goes on, I've become a little more cautiously optimistic maybe might be the best way to put it uh this is bill bill says uh hey unit i believe that jordan love is going to be just fine it's the joe berry defense that always craps the bed uh that's a great term for joe berry's defense crap it's been crap all season long one game does not make joe berry a good defensive coordinator i wish people would quit talking about this defense as if they turn things around we all know the guy driving the defense is none other than joe berry yeah I, I, and that's why I said when, when they played really well in Minneapolis, that didn't give him a stay of execution. That, that just was a good game. One or two good games throughout a season does not a season make. And there's just been – you can't look the fans in the eye and say all season long that it's been it, – it, it's been communication all season – and yet, all of a sudden, at the end of the season, they, they're communicating, and Joe Barry is the reason why. It's like you; these are things that needed to be fixed at training camp in the first couple of games of the season. It can't last all season. I, I just, I, I don't, <laughs> I, I don't buy that. That's why. Look, his contract is running out, and they're going to move on. I am not concerned about you know retaining Joe Barry. I'm just not. And look, it may not even be Joe Barry. I don't know. But I know that I want a different voice running that defense because you've got to find out what you've got. I, if I sat here today and I said, again, we talked about the eight first-round draft choices. Now, I know that not all of them have played. Jair has been down. Stokes has been down. You know, So really, six first-round draft choices. you got Rashawn Gary coming back off of the knee injury, and he's been in and out, and he was on a pitch count early on. Look, all of that is 100% true. You know, Lucas Van Ness was just kind of getting his feet wet. You know, I can go on and on. So all of that is true. But if I had to sit here today and go, you tell me what you have in this defense. How good is it? I don't think anybody could really tell you. I think the first words out of people's mouth are, well, Joe Barry, and then fill in a blank. I, I don't think anybody really knows how good this defense or how bad this defense really is. So – that's why you need a different voice. You have to figure it out. Is this a, a really good defense that's just being misguided? Or is this a very mediocre defense where they've taken a lot of draft capital and a lot of stock and put it into this defense that really isn't that good? And we're all just sitting around blowing smoke up each other's asses about how great these guys could be. When in reality, the choice of the talent on the field just hasn't been that good. Right? I don't think anybody knows, which is why you have to find a different voice because you have to figure out how good this defense is or how bad it is. And much like Andy Herman said, you got to, again, we're again we're dipping back into that well saying, yep, need secondary help. Need secondary help. 
877-867-1670. Find us, 877-867-1670. Our friend Paul Roberts and the gang at Roberts Specialty Meats, Waukesha, great place. And uh, I've been telling you about them for a while now. And uh, Paul's a great guy, but now that we're past the holiday season, maybe you're going to do some tailgating this weekend, heading up to Lambeau Field. Stop in and get some Al Capone sausages, the ribs on a stick, which are easy. You just heat up the grill, throw them on there, 10 minutes, boom, done. Or maybe the garlic chicken parmesan uh, skewers. Uh, I can go on and on. Uh, Maybe it's the small personal Al Capone roast, whatever it may be. He's got it. And sauces and local products down there to go with it as well. That is Robert's Specialty Meats in Waukesha. Robert's Specialty Meats, Waukesha.com. That is Robert's Specialty Meats, Waukesha.com. And by the way, somebody had just uh, asked me the other day. They said, man, I'm looking for a great place to find crab legs. He's got them. He gets them flown in fresh. He's got them. He has those down there as well. Good place to pick up some seafood, too. So there you go. Check out Robert's Specialty Meats, Waukesha, your hometown butcher. Great stuff. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Have you back, the Bill Michaels Show. On the air on this Thursday, Friday edition tomorrow, our usuals. And we're hoping Mike Clemens feels better tomorrow, too, to finish uh, the last hour of the program. If he doesn't, you know, no uh, no problem. Mike's uh, got some deserved time time off upcoming. But I know he's a little bit under the weather today. So we will uh, we'll wait and see how Mike is feeling tomorrow. But we will uh, hopefully talk with him. In the meantime... Got uh, a voice we've been familiar with before. Our buddy Michael Cohen uh, now covers the Michigan Wolverines for Fox and does a lot of good stuff over there for Fox Sports and the executive producer of a deadly football hit on HBO and such. Uh, all, uh, all doing all kinds of things. Michael, how you doing? Hey, I'm doing well. Long time no see. How are you? Yeah, absolutely. We're doing good. Happy New Year, and uh, glad that you could join us for a couple of minutes. Um, Let's start with uh, the win that Michigan got over Alabama and how impressive that was, but how much of a sigh of relief that was to get back into a national title game. Because now, uh, you know, I mean, uh, Jim Harbaugh has made Michigan more than relevant now as far as putting them back into the power position, so to speak. Yeah, I mean, I think it was it was a really big moment for the Michigan football program. You know, they haven't won a national championship since 1997 and even that was a share of a national title and you have to go all the way back to the late 1940s for their last outright national championship which is kind of crazy considering Michigan is the winningest program in college football history the first program to reach a thousand victories which they did earlier this season so I think you hit it right on the head in terms of it was a huge accomplishment but it was also a huge relief because this three-year turnaround under Jim Harbaugh, in which they've reached the college football playoff for the first three times in school history and three straight times. Um, This is really it for them because there's, for the first time in this three-year run, they're going to have massive, massive roster turnover and potentially massive, massive coaching turnover after this season. And so they've been one of the teams, much like Washington, who have benefited from players using their extra year of COVID eligibility the last couple of seasons. And that's lessened 
the need to rebuild and retool the roster from year to year. But that will no longer be the case after this year, and they're going to lose a lot of guys. So this is kind of like the culmination of three years for Michigan. You know, the first time they went to the playoff, Georgia smacked them around in a game that wasn't even close. They go to the playoff again last season and lose a nail-biter to TCU that they absolutely should not have lost and in many ways gave away. And then this year, they finally get over the semifinal hump by toppling not just any team, but Alabama and Nick Saban, you know, the the owners of this college football playoff with, you know, six national titles in the last 14 years. So it was a very cathartic afternoon for Michigan at the Rose Bowl on Sunday, uh, excuse me, on Monday. That's kind of how I described the scene when I was out there and the story that I wrote after the game. And, And I think for them, you know, they know the job's not finished, but in a lot of ways, they avoided the biggest stigma that could have been attached to them, which is getting to the playoff three times, but failing to even reach the title game three times. So one day they have a chance to do something that hasn't been done since the late 1940s for Michigan. And uh, in a lot of ways, it could be the final game of this era of Michigan football, depending on who exactly they lose in the next couple of weeks and months after this. You know, I I wanted to go back to what they've gone through this season. And, uh, you know, Harbaugh gets suspended for the beginning of the season, and then the sign stealing comes up, and all the players have to deal with that. And Harbaugh made the comment after the uh, the game the other day at the Rose Bowl, and he said it's actually been an unfair advantage for us. As if to say, hey, every piece of adversity you throw at us, it's galvanized us that much more. I mean, has it been that way? I think so. And and to be honest, um, there's been even more things uh, that have gone awry in this last calendar year for Michigan than, than even what some people have realized over the last few months. I mean, it was early in 2023, January or February, when they had to unexpectedly fire their offensive coordinator for some sort of computer access crime within the uh, football facility that has never really been detailed exactly what went on there, other than I can tell you unequivocally it had nothing to do with the eventual sign-stealing scandal. Um, They had to fire two separate staffers later over the course of this year, non-coaches, but members of the staff nonetheless for inappropriate behavior, uh, one on social media and one away from social media. And then they had to unexpectedly fire their linebackers coach amid the sign stealing scandal because he was trying to or allegedly trying to interfere with the NCAA investigation. So you take all those things. And then on top of that, you have a three-game suspension of Jim Harbaugh to begin the season. You have another three-game suspension of Jim Harbaugh to end the regular season. And I don't think there's much more adversity that this team could have possibly gone through. Now, do I think it's necessarily an advantage? I don't know. I mean, you could say that their mental toughness and their resiliency is probably hardened in a way that might be more than most teams. But I think at the end of the day, they're just a really good football team. I think this is, you know, easily the best team Jim Harbaugh has ever had. There's more depth than they've ever had. There's more high-end talent than they've had in recent years. And so – I just think it's a combination of a very mature and experienced team with a lot of upperclassmen and fifth and sixth year seniors, like I alluded to uh, in the first question that you asked me. And then you couple that with just some really darn good football players. And so I think they've been tested by just about anything they can. And, And Alabama and the mystique and the Nick Saban factor and all of that was maybe the last real hurdle for them. Not to say that Washington isn't a team that can beat them because Washington could absolutely win this game. And I wouldn't be surprised, but I just mean that, you know, the Alabama team and program comes with a greater level of, of fear factor, if you will, than, than Washington does just because of what they've done. So I don't think they're, they're going to look at this Washington game and, and be scared of anything because of what they've already gone through so far. And, and most importantly, the hurdle that they got over on Monday afternoon in California.
It has been a huge boost, considering that when Urban Meyer was at Ohio State, he owned the you know Michigan and just about every other program for that matter. The fact that they've been able to beat up on Ryan Day and it hasn't mattered where, whether it was in the in the shoe or in the big house, uh, they that that fan base has to feel rejuvenated by being able to accomplish that on a year in and year out basis under Harbaugh, right? No question about it. I mean, there were two. There were two real blemishes on Harbaugh's record since he returned to Michigan in 2015. The first was his bowl record, and prior to the Rose Bowl on Monday, he was one in six in bowl games, which is which is pretty bad, pretty putrid. And uh, many of those games were not close, and and were failings on multiple levels from the coaching staff and the way that they prepared the players. So he kind of got that monkey off his back a few days ago in, in, at the Rose Bowl. But the bigger monkey was beating Ohio State because there was a period of time where I believe it was 15 out of 16 that, that Michigan had lost to Ohio State and Harbaugh mm-hmm. had been winless against Ohio State until 2021. And so for him now to completely flip the tide and win three in a row and do it in the fashion that he did, which is basically controlling all three games. Um, and, and as you noted, and, and as you very correctly noted, one of them being a huge blowout in Columbus um, in the 2022 season where they just pulled away from Ohio State in the fourth quarter and got to a gear that uh, the Buckeyes frankly couldn't match. You know, I, I, Michigan fans have to be savoring this pretty much as, as much as they've savored anything. And I think there's a real argument to be made that if Michigan can win – on Monday night and knock off Washington that Harbaugh all but secures his position as the best coach in Michigan history. Now I know people will point to the NCAA investigations and things like that. And those are absolutely valid detractions to make, but no Michigan coach has won three consecutive outright big 10 titles. No Michigan coach has gone to the college football playoff three times and no Michigan coach since the forties has won an outright national championship. And so if he's able to do that last one and put it together with the things I just mentioned previously, um, I think he will be remembered as the greatest uh, the greatest coach in Michigan history. And then, of course, he's got a tremendous playing history at Michigan as well. So there's a lot on the line in this game from a legacy perspective and, and, a, and a finishing the job perspective, if you will, especially because of all the speculation about him potentially leaving for the NFL after this. And so if he can really finish the job, that would just absolutely put an exclamation point or two or three on his return to his alma mater. Talking with Michael Cohen uh, from Fox Sports over in uh, Michigan covering the Wolverines as they get ready to take on Washington and Michael Penix Jr. and company for the national title coming up on Monday night. You bring up the point of all the speculation about if he's going to end up someplace else. Uh, First of all, I know that he tried to completely deflect that because he wouldn't answer it. He just basically said, I'm looking forward to going back, the flight back to Michigan. But you can't help. But to to hear, if you're one of the players there, you can't help but to hear all the speculation, whether it's going to be Chicago or it's going to be Oakland or, uh, excuse me, Las Vegas, or he's going to go to some other team that he's hired this agent that's going to put him back in the NFL. you gotta you got to hear all of that. How difficult has it been for those guys inside that locker room to strictly just focus on the fact that Michigan is going to the national championship game? You know, I would have been in the exact same boat that you were in in terms of thinking that they, they can't help but be bothered by it. They have to be wondering about it and all those types of things. But anytime you ask the players about Harbaugh and the NFL, and, and it's important to point out that these rumors have persisted in the last two off seasons as well. And so, you know, he had the flirtation with the Minnesota Vikings. He had, you know, the interviews with the Denver Broncos. He had contact with the Carolina Panthers. So this is nothing new for Michigan players. 
And they all, in a, in a, in a reaction that I wouldn't have suspected, excuse me, expected, they all really back Harbaugh in, in all of this because they say that if it's his goal to win a Super Bowl and he's helping them reach their goals and he communicates to them that winning a Super Bowl remains something that he wants to do in his career, they all phrase it and view it as him going out and chasing his dreams the same way they're chasing their dreams at Michigan. And they all claim that he's very open and forthright with them that a couple of years ago when he first started, you know, uh, when he first started entertaining interest from the NFL or pursuing possible opportunities in the NFL, um, the players say that he explained it to them, that, that he was going to do this, that he wanted to look into this, and he was honest about it. And so uh, there's really not any sense that it's bothering them, A, because they've been through it in the last two off seasons already, but B, because they claim Harbaugh goes about it in the right way by being honest and forthright about what his intentions are behind closed doors when he's not talking to the media. And also because if he's helping them chase what they want to do and win a national title, then, then they don't think that they should hold him back from going and chasing what he wants to do and winning a Super Bowl after coming so close and losing to his brother a number of years ago. So it's interesting because from the outside, I would have had the exact same reaction that you have. And the only reason mine has been different is because after talking to these guys the last couple of years, they, they go away from that every time and say that it really doesn't bother them. And look, if, if all the stuff we outlined a couple of minutes ago, if all that hasn't bothered them from Connor Stallion to NCAA investigations to whatever, you know, maybe it's true. Maybe it really doesn't bother them if, if they're going to lose their coach at the end of this season. And maybe they are just that driven. And like you said, maybe that is their advantage going into Monday night. What do you think is going to happen come the offseason? And I'm not talking about where he goes, if indeed he leaves, but I'm talking more, does the NCAA not only come in and suspend him, if indeed he's coming back as the head coach, but do you think they make them vacate wins? Well, that's the question, right? Because in all of these NCAA investigations, the general pattern that the NCAA has fallen back on is to avoid punishing the players who theoretically have nothing to do with these things if they can avoid it. And so what I, the reason I, I bring that up and the reason I phrase it that way is because let's say Harbaugh does get an NFL job and he leaves. Well, the question is then what does the NCAA do to Michigan? Because if you vacate wins, you can argue that that doesn't really hurt the players because they're already gone. But in some ways it does hurt the players because it chips away at their respective legacies and what they accomplished on the field. But if Harbaugh is truly out of there, any punishment that they were to impose, such as um, maybe a loss of scholarships, uh, a loss of recruiting time on the road, uh, a loss, a reduction in official recruiting visits, whatever the NCAA could potentially decide, all of those to some extent begin punishing people who supposedly had nothing to do with the sign stealing scandal and the uh, alleged recruiting violations from uh, the COVID dead period. So. That, that, to me, is the most interesting thing. Is If Harbaugh leaves, what does the NCAA do to Michigan? Because they try to avoid hurting players at all costs, but if the figurehead is gone and you can't suspend the head coach, which would be the obvious reaction if he's back in Ann Arbor for 2024, then what do you do? And so I really don't know the answer to that, and I'm fascinated to see it as well because it's a very tricky and precarious position for the NCAA to be in, a narrow needle to thread if they want to slap the program on the wrist in some way, but avoid harming the players who didn't have anything to do with whatever Connor Stallions might have been doing scouting games ahead of time. It's, it's fascinating, and I truly don't know the answer. 
What, uh, you know, I know Connor Scallions, uh, Stallions made uh, the uh, social media rounds considering he had like fifth, you know, fifth row off the field seats for the, uh, for the Rose Bowl. And everybody like myself is questioning, well, where'd you get those tickets? You're not supposed to be associated with the program anymore. So hopefully he bought them and nobody's digging further into that. And then my second question is, if Harbaugh does leave, and, and I don't know what the answer is, I don't necessarily know where he goes, but do you believe he's gone? Do you believe he's already got one foot out the door uh, as far as his coaching career goes, looking towards the NFL to say, hey, I'm going to get the hell out of here before the heat comes down on me? You know, the the Harbaugh thing is, is complicated to figure out because in the past two years when he was entertaining or pursuing opportunities in the NFL, he kind of made it clear to people in his inner circle and people in the NFL that if he were to accept an NFL head coaching job, he wanted to go to a franchise that he thought could win a Super Bowl or where he thought he could win a Super Bowl. And what does that boil down to? In a lot of ways, it boils down to having a quarterback that can get you to that level. And so that's why he was interested theoretically in what was going on in Minnesota, because, you know, Kirk Cousins, while not an MVP caliber candidate, you know, certainly between him and the talent that they had at wide receiver, that was enough to get to or contend for a Super Bowl. Uh, And that's why there's been such strong rumors or discussion about Harbaugh and the Chargers this year because of Justin Herbert. So you think about some of the other teams that could come open this year. If he still wants to, if if winning a Super Bowl is still one of his criteria for evaluating these potential opportunities, what does he think of a place like the Washington Commanders? What does he think of a place like the Carolina Panthers that had one of the worst seasons or the worst season in the NFL this year? What does he think about a place like New England that, you know, has certainly eroded and crumbled now that Tom Brady is gone? I don't know the answers to that. So if, if Harbaugh is sticking by what he has told people in the past and he only wants to go somewhere where he has a quarterback and a team that he thinks he can get to a Super Bowl, then I think the odds of him leaving this year are significantly smaller because there's just not a lot of those jobs that are going to come open. But if he has reached a point, and I don't know if he has, where he's just willing to take any NFL job he can because he wants to be in the NFL, if that's where he's at professionally and personally, you know, then I think the chances of him leaving are significantly higher to the point where you know, I'd maybe even bump it up about 50%. Not that I have any inside knowledge of that, but just based on the amount of openings there will be, based on the fact that he still has a top 10 uh, winning percentage record in NFL history, based on what he did with the 49ers going to three straight NFC championship games, and one Super Bowl. I mean, there's going to be an owner out there or a GM that is very interested in that resume. So again, I think it comes down to, is he going to stick with what he's told people before, which is if he goes to the NFL, he wants to go somewhere he can win, or is he willing to just take any job he can get? And that's really the unknown with Jim Harbaugh. And there's always unknown with Jim Harbaugh. I know I'm really late, but one more question real quick. Give me your thoughts on Monday night, who you got and why. Yeah, I'm taking Michigan in this game. I, I just think that they are so strong on the offensive and defensive line that at the end of the day in football, it is still a game that is won in the trenches more often or not. And I think they'll be able to, to bully Washington's defensive line, especially with their running game. And even though Michael Penix is, I think, the best quarterback in college football and gets the ball out of his hands quickly, I just think defensive coordinator Jesse Minter is at a level right now where he's just in a groove. I mean, he has shut down Penn State, Ohio State, and Alabama three games in a row, essentially, in terms of big games that Michigan has had. He's flowing. The defense is flowing. They've got the bodies in the trenches. So I'm taking Michigan in a close game, but it's a fascinating matchup. I cannot wait to get down to Houston tomorrow and see how the game shakes out on Monday.
Awesome stuff. Michael, appreciate it as always. Good to talk to you again, man, and uh, have a great new year, and we'll talk to you soon, okay? Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Always enjoy Thanks. joining the show. Absolutely. Thanks, pal. There you go. Michael Cohen, at Michael underscore Cohen 13 over on X. You can follow his stuff there. Great stuff. Great to get him back on the air with us. I know. I know. We're woefully, woefully late. We're going to hear from Jair Alexander when we come back. Stay tuned. More of the Bill Michael Show coming up right after this. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. What's better than free? How about play free all year? This January at Pottawatomie Casino Hotel Milwaukee, you can win over $2,000 in reward play every month all year long. Just play your favorite games to earn prize drawing entries. Then stop by each Thursday night in January to see if you're a winner. $400,000 in prizes is up for grabs. Over 40 winners each week. Yeah, free is for me. More info at PaysBig.com. Must be 21 years old and a club member to play. Welcome back. Good to have you on board this afternoon. This portion of the program brought to you by our good friends over there at uh, the Water Doctors. Love the Water Doctors. Love the Connecticut Water Softening System. Really, really good stuff. I've had it in my house for, God, decades now. Decades. And uh, absolutely, positively love it. And if you go to H2, the letter O, H2Odoctors.com, you can too. And uh, the Water Doctors are great people because they do a lot philanthropically with veterans causes and so when you you know pick up a Connecticut water softening system whether you buy it you rent it if you're putting it into a new home an existing home if you're transferring out an old unit into a new unit, whatever it may be call them 262-549-7733 262-549-7733 and they give back to uh, Fisher House Wisconsin to say the very least I mean they do a lot of stuff with different veterans causes but great people over at the water doctors and the Connecticut water softening system is by far the best, hands down. Uh, I've told you about it a lot over the years about just how good it is and that I have it in my house, and I absolutely positively swear by it. Swear by it. One of the biggest things that people notice about the water softening system is uh, the coffee uh, because I've got it hooked up. The reverse osmosis is hooked up to my Keurig, and people notice it. They, they say it just tastes different. It tastes like better, and I don't know how because I'm not a big coffee drinker. I drink more hot chocolate than anything. But that's what they tell me. So I'm like, okay, I'm just just another reason to be a big believer in the, in the water softening system that is Connecticut. Uh, 877-867-1670, 877-867-1670. By the way, I was asked uh, about the games upcoming this weekend for the NFL. There is no Monday night game. The games that are on ESPN are Saturday night games. There is no Monday night game. Once Sunday culminates, that's it. Uh, there are, there is, and I don't even know, is there a Sunday night game, Grant? Do they have a Sunday night game? Yeah, Bills, Dolphins. Is there, Okay, that's right. It's the Sunday night game. That's right. That's right. But there isn't a Monday night game. There's two Saturday night games, and then there's the Monday night game, or the uh, Sunday night game, and then that's it. The season ends for everybody. And then you start looking at what the schedule is going to be for the upcoming, for Saturday and Sunday of the following weeks and such, and uh, who's playing who, what, where, and when, and all that kind of stuff, so. Excited about all of that, but yeah, there isn't a uh, there isn't a Monday night game. 
So just so we're clear on that, because some people were asking. Uh, let's do this. We're going to step away. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, I promised you this, and I know we went a little long in the last segment, but I want to get to it. Uh, it's not a long one, but Jair Alexander spoke yesterday. I want you to hear it when we come back. Stay tuned. we got a whole lot more coming up right after this. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is The Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Good to have you back. Bill Michaels Show. Continuing on, this portion brought to you by our good friends at Cunis. K-U-N-E-S. Cunis RV. Automotive trucks. Commercial. They've got it all. The RV dealerships, they're all throughout the great state of Wisconsin. Yeah, you can go up and down just about any highway and see a Cunis RV uh, alongside of the road. The automobile industry, they're in Madison, Stoughton, Barneveld, Elkhorn, Lake Geneva, Platteville, Milwaukee now with a couple of different locations as well. Go to shop, S-H-O-P, shopacunis.com. And uh, whether it's, like I said, an automobile or a truck, they've got that. But if you want an RV, if you want concierge service, uh, new, used, whatever it happens to be, they've got something for everybody in the RV side as well. Go to Cunis, K-U-N-E-S, Cunis, shopacunis.com. That is shopacunis.com. Yesterday, Jair Alexander uh, met with the media after being suspended. Here's what he had to say. Take a listen. John, Matt said it wasn't just the coin toss thing for, for why you were suspended. Um, as you reflect back on maybe the last couple months and the fact that you were suspended, did that give you a different outlook on maybe how you carry yourself around the building? Uh, yeah, I think it was definitely something to learn from. Uh, I, there was definitely things that I could have improved upon during that week uh, to help with the communication. And uh, moving forward, you know, uh, yeah, that won't happen again. Or something else. Uh, just communicate it. I think communication is big, and uh, it's easy to talk to my guys. But you know, and talking to anybody else would be a little bit of a challenge. So I got to get better at that. How do you feel? Like, how did you feel getting back out there? I saw you warm up just to get out there and play football with a lot at stake on something. Yeah, no, it felt, it felt good. It's always it always feels good to be on the field just with the guys. You know best time physically uh Jay, feeling as good in a while yeah 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 getting better and uh, we're gonna take it day by day what's your understanding of your your role coming up for this sunday and how healthy are you to pro- provide what you want to provide uh you know i mean my role is just nothing really changed just continue to be a leader that i have been and uh you know make the plays that come to me what did you get through the carolina game Pretty much. What you do all week? All week, uh, just uh, I was just training, preparing to play. So I know it wasn't gonna be forever that I'd be out. So I know I had to stay in shape. Yeah, I'm very grateful to be here. Jair, does this affect your relationship with Goody or Matt or that? No. And if not, how do you, how do you keep it from doing so? No, it doesn't affect my relationship with anybody. Uh, I think if anything, it improved it. So. Matt mentioned the conversations he had with you. How important do you feel like those were from your side as well as this? Uh, no, it was good for both parties to hear both sides. You know, and uh, that's kind of what we alluded to, and uh, we got down to the nitty gritty. What did you want from them? I'm sure they had things that they wanted from you. What, what did you want from them? Uh, no, I just, I mean, we all just agreed to be on the same page with communication moving forward. Jar, we know how much you enjoy that matchup with Jefferson twice a year. Yeah. What was it like watching the game? And- 
Uh, I mean, it was, uh, I mean, initially I was, you know, very upset. But uh, when my guys went out there and did what they did, you know, I couldn't be too mad. I was pretty happy, you know. I sick my young boys on them, and I didn't have to, t- I didn't have to move a muscle. What did you text them after the game? They said that they got a text. What did you text them after the game? They said they got a text. Oh, they got a text? Uh, nah, I man, I was just telling them good stuff all week, you know. I was just giving them something positive all week since I wasn't going to be out there. Were you surprised by the suspension? Um, uh, yeah, I was surprised by the suspension. I thought maybe I'd get fined. Uh, just keep doing what I'm doing and no setbacks. Junior, beside the coverage part of the game, can you be as physical as you want to with that shoulder right now? I can try to. It's a mindset. Some players are better than others. Yourself being a captain on side, just to kind of you know, mend the bridges and if you, you know, you've done everything that they've asked of you. Maybe. Is a shoulder a place where you can play this week? Uh, yeah, it should be good. And you said that you're grateful to be here. Is there any part of you that doesn't want to be the next season? Yes. What is DJ Moore bring to the table for the Bears? Um, he's a dynamic receiver. He's fast, explosive, and he's a pretty big and powerful. Just clearly, the yes is the yes. Fully want to be here next year. Yeah. Well, on the line for this game, a potential trip to the playoffs. What would it mean to beat the Bears to make it to the playoffs? Uh, it'd be pretty cool. Very, very deserving of this season that we've had. So, uh, this will put the 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 candle on the cake. You going out there with a little healthy chip on your shoulder, just to you know, put everything behind you here? Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned being better for this. Both parties being better for this. Will, will anything be noticeable to the outside? Will people say, oh, Jay, has changed? Would anybody notice anything out of this? Uh, no, no. My interviews might be a little more serious. <laughs> but other than that, no. There you go. That was uh, Jair Alexander, who sounded, uh, like I said last night, he sounded like, uh, sounded like kind of a, kind of a puppy dog that's been scolded and uh, we'll see what it does we'll see if it you know kind of puts the train back on the tracks obviously they've got a roster bonus that they've got to consider in the off season there's been a lot of talk about that uh, there's you know obviously he's a talented player it's just uh you know sometimes you got to put the the head back on so to speak so we'll see if that works out hey one other little side note and it's not a uh, real big segment for what do we miss but uh we didn't talk about it yesterday that uh, Miami Dolphins receiver Tariq Hill uh he's at practice and it gets a call his house is on fire uh i don't know if anybody saw this or the highlights of this i shouldn't say highlights but uh, the video of this the house burning uh, on the back side but apparently today they announced it was started by one of the kids playing with a lighter in their bedroom that the kids had uh, flicked the lighter, caught the drapes on fire and some other articles that were in the bedroom, and uh, the house went up. Now, the whole house is not a loss because it was just it was contained to a portion of the house in what they called the backside, but there's still some smoke and water damage and such. And Drew Rosenhaus is an a- his agent, by the way, who said uh, they wanted the first thing they wanted to do was thank the firefighters and such. For the care with uh, they you know that they used in putting the house out and all that kind of stuff, but yeah, there you go. Just another lesson. Doesn't matter how rich you are, kids. Don't be playing with lighters, man. Kid, play with a lighter and set the house on fire.
Anything else today, Grant, in about 20 seconds? Uh, that's about it, but I did want to ask, if I come to learn that my apartment is on fire during the show, do I have permission to leave like Tyreek Hill left practice? Okay. You do. You do. Uh, you Good. know, I would assume it's Rachel then playing with a lighter. because I don't, yes. I don't. Someone's, <laughs> someone's yes. playing with flint and steel in my studio apartment. Yeah, that's the problem. All right, that's what it is. All right, that's it. We'll be back at it again tomorrow for the Friday version of the Bill Michael Show. Until then, time for us to go. Have a go. See you.